hey everybody, welcome to again the weekly live stream. This is the second one of the week, and um, today we're going to be discussing a very difficult, emotional, deep issue the topic of suicide. Um, and knowing that this is just such a key, important issue, as uh, maybe you personally have struggled with it, or someone that you know has struggled with it, a friend, a family member, um, and uh, knowing that this has impacted just so many people, and the problem continues to get worse. And so we're going to spend this time together discussing this and hopefully maybe answering some questions that you have and some ideas that you have on this topic. And to do that is my good friend, John Noyes, is going to come on and join me. So John, there you are. Thanks for joining me to talk about this. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm here and you're there, but we're still together. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> so uh, John is a speaker, the outreach coordinator at Stand a Reason. I'm an affiliate of Stand a Reason, so we've been connected through there as well as connected through different areas and, and different ministry and opportunities, as well as John is a pastor at Soli Church. And so I, one thing I love about you, John, is that you uh, not only are the apologist and and came out of atheism, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, and, and, and now obviously a Christian, but you come at it also mm. with such a pastoral response and a pastoral approach. And so I guess it's not a surprise that this is a topic that you have been kind of drawn to and that you've wanted to talk about, uh, but you also come along with such a loving approach as just you, I, I'm in, I'll just brag on you. You genuinely, I think, care. <laughs> you genuinely care about people, and I love seeing that. And I think uh, it is so valuable, especially in the area of apologetics, which can be so intellectual. And so I really appreciate that. And so thanks for coming on. Now, I do know that uh, you're joining me over Skype and it has cut out just a couple times. So if it happens to cut out, hey, we all know internet is not the best right now. Everyone's probably at home streaming on Netflix, um, but we're gonna make do with the best we can. So John, why is it, I guess we'll start with this. Why is it that the topic here of suicide is something that has um, been something that you've studied and that you have wanted to discuss? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. And and thank you so much for the introduction. It's uh, super humbling to hear you say those things. I, you never true. really understand or know how other people perceive you. And to hear that, uh, that I love people, that's that's really I do. I really love, I just love people. I love being around people. I love talking to people, getting to know them. Um, I've, I've loved pastoring. And now at Stand to Reason, I love being able to hopefully impart a little bit of wisdom and knowledge uh, to offer some training to some folks so that they can maybe wrestle with some of life's most important topics. Um, the reason why I am doing suicide is actually there's no specific reason. Uh, we were at Rethink Dallas. It's a student apologetics conference that um, Stand the Reason puts on every year. And uh, somebody was set to present. The pastor of the church was set to present, but he couldn't because there was an emergency in the church. And we had to have somebody fill in. Now, it wasn't me, but what we did notice is that the room was packed. This is a year and a half ago. The room was absolutely packed uh, for every session that they were teaching on it. So we thought, well, there has to be a need. Yeah. Um, so get on. And um, I was the new guy on the block. So I was like, I'll do whatever, you know, let me let me go. And um, and then I, I started researching it and doing a lot of reading, and I was absolutely shocked at the amount of people that this issue affects. I um, I have friends who committed suicide. My cousin, Derek, committed suicide. Prep of this, um, this talk that I give um, at these rethinks, I had one of my really good friends. He was one of the guys I lived with when I first moved to California 15 years ago. He committed suicide in June, um, leaving behind a beautiful wife and a, and a gorgeous little bull. And suicide rates have climbed, and they're climbing exponentially, and it's it's up 30% in the last 20 years. Um, there's there's twice as many suicides in the United States than there are murders every single year. And this number shocked me, Ryan. This is nuts. Suicide's the second leading cause of death for people ages 10, 10 years old. I have a nine-year-old right behind that door. Yeah, That means some of her friends are starting to think about killing themselves, but it's it, it's the number two leading cause of death, number two cause of death for ages 10 to 34. And it's number four of those aged 35 to 54. I mean, it's just, it's rampant. Last week, two two students committed suicide at the Naval Academy. Um, you know, and, and, and we hear about, about it, 
now we're worried about uh, this COVID-19, right? 21,000 deaths, I think, globally. is It's hard to keep count. Yeah, well, the, there's um, – I have a figure right here. There's there's going to be over 200 – there's going to be about 250,000 suicides, which is insane. You know, so it's just it, – it's, it's an issue that's out there that we don't know about. In many ways, I kind of equate it to abortion. So abortion was this issue that nobody ever wanted to talk about for the longest time. It was kind of pushed to the dark uh, recesses of our church and to the corners of our church body. And and then once the cultural conversation started happening, once the church, I think, led the way in this, once we started bringing this conversation out of the, you know, the shadows, we're able to address the issue and then ultimately able to save lives. Yeah. So it's been really rewarding. So that's my, my main impetus. My, the main reason why I'm kind of passionate about this topic is because I think suicide actually touches everybody. Your viewers right now, I'm, I'm willing to bet that almost every one of them has had somebody that they know or somebody, uh, a, a, a relative or a friend of a friend commit suicide. Yeah. And that's just shocking to me. Oh, absolutely. You know, what? and one of my best friends growing up, I mean, from kindergarten, elementary school, in church with him, in school with him, you know, uh, families spent so much time together. Uh, years ago, back when he was in high school, committed suicide. And I remember getting that news. And, you know, we had kind of lost contact uh, when we went to different high schools, but just in complete shock of this is not something you necessarily hear about until it often hits you, until it happens. And, you know, it surprises me that you talk about that, you know, at Rethink, you know, and I've spoken at Rethink before and had the privilege of being there. Um, what you often find, and I don't know if this is a fault of the church or pastors, or I don't know what it is, but you, you with apologetic issues or any issue whatsoever, you know, sometimes I find myself speaking to students at some sort of student group and so many students are drawn to a certain topic. And then the pastor goes, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know the students cared about this, right? I didn't know, you know, it's yeah. when I'm at Hume Lake and, and I'm doing a Q&A in the afternoon and kids are giving up two hours of their free time to come get questions yeah. answered about Christianity. <laughs> and the pastor's like, wait, but there's like rock climbing and, the, and there's other stuff. Like, I didn't know this is something they actually wanted. And sometimes it seems like this yeah. is an issue that's not talked about. Now back to kind of the, the suicide, it's not an issue that's talked about. And then finally someone goes, I'm going to do a presentation on this. And the room is packed. Packed. And then you go, oh my goodness, maybe the church does need to be talking about this more than it actually is. I mean, is there a thought of why do you think that we're not talking about this maybe as much as we should? Sure. I, well, I think there's a lot of reasons. I think for a long time, there's a, even now, not even just a long time because we're not through it yet, but there's a certain uh, shame that's attached to to suicide. Mm -hmm. and, and the church has played a part in this, if we're being honest, right? Um, nobody wants to tell to, to tell their uh, their friends at work or whatever that their their husband, their wife, their brother, their sister, their kid committed suicide. For some reason, there's a weakness associated with it. I feel like, and and it's like it's something that the culture just doesn't want to talk about. Um, there's a shame, and and I'm not even really necessarily sure where that comes from. I mean, um, there's certain there's certain uh, the teachings and, and the theological teachings certainly out there. Certain churches will tell you that if you commit suicide, you go to hell. So um, oftentimes, uh, historically speaking, uh, people, if you're a parent and you come home and, you're, and your child has committed suicide in your home, you're not going to say anything that they committed. You're not going to tell anybody that because uh, the, you don't want anybody in the society to, you don't want people to be asking the question, oh, I wonder what his parents did wrong yeah. or, or something like that. And um, it's, it's in that way, that's why I, re I relate it to abortion, because it's this topic that that is is so prevalent. It affects almost every uh, on every single street in this country, on every single street in America. There are multiple people who have had abortions and there are multiple people who have, who have wrestled with suicide. Mm. And it's not only that, like if you start digging into the, the, the real literature and the research behind it, so many people ask these questions like, maybe I should just kill myself. I might be better off dead than alive. And uh, not everybody believes that lie, but a lot of people start there. And I, I mean, I've never really wrestled with the thoughts of suicide, but, but certainly I've, I've, I've thought to myself, well, I wonder what the world would be like if I'd never been born. I wonder. I wonder who would come to my funeral if I died. Hmm. I mean, these are natural thoughts, I think, to, to be thinking in a living, I mean, in a, in a fallen world. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, yeah. And then I got to say, like, when, when you say packed rooms, 
in Minnesota was the first time at, at Rethink I did this talk. And I'm sitting there, okay, I'm, I'm like nobody. You know, uh, you know I, I do a breakout session at, at Rethink, and you've got Jay Warner Wallace, Greg Kokel, Alan Schleeman, you, um, <clears throat> Sean McDowell. Right. And, and then you can choose between the topics that they're all going to talk about. And it's all in their area of specialty. And then you've got John Noy's suicide. And who's going to come to see me speak? You know, it's always envisioning 10 people to show up. I had about 200 seats, I'd say, in, the, in my room. And I walk in an hour before my my first talk. And when I got there, the room was half full. By the time I started, kids were sitting in the aisles and standing along the back students to hear this. That's the first talk. The second time I gave this talk, and I'm not saying it's, it has nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me and everything to do with the topic and where our culture is at. The second time I gave this talk, I walk in there in uh, 40 minutes before uh, the presentation. It's lunchtime for everybody. I was just going to go set my computer back up. The room was completely full. Students were eating their lunch in the room. When I started that second talk, I had students sitting all around me uh, around my podium. I couldn't move. There were 20 kids out in the hall listening in. And, 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 and then the, the people that the responses that I got, thank you so much for talking about this. I had a son who killed himself last year and I've been looking for this hope. I had one girl at, uh, the evangelical philosophical society meeting where I delivered this talk, um, come up to me after and she's in tears and she's just thanking me. She's like, I want to let you know that for the first time in a year, over a year, I'm at peace. And I asked her why, and she said, because my aunt, who was schizophrenic, committed suicide a year and a half ago, and my pastor told me and my mom that she's in hell. And 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 I was just like, man, like that breaks my heart. And then like we started out, you know, I have a heart for people, and when people are wrestling with this stuff, I had a girl in Minnesota come up to me after the talk and, and say thank you for the talk. And again, nothing to do with me. I'm not tooting my own horn here, Ryan. And But she says, thank you so much. I said, why? She said, well, I was going to kill myself tomorrow. That's what she said to me. I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. I'm uh, clinically depressed. I have enough meds because I haven't been taking them. I've been hiding them. She was hoarding her pills. I can take these and I know I'll die. My parents are going to be at church. I knew when I was going to do it, how I was going to do it, where I was going to do it. But she says, but but you in your, this talk here, I realize that God's not done with me. I need to press on through this dark spell, and uh, and there's better days for me. Wow! And right there is like, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's unbelievable. So it's an issue that everybody's wrestling with. It, it touches on it touches everybody. Yeah, and I mean, and that's just so good because it points to just the the hope that we have as believers, the hope that Jesus Christ offers. That when you bring truth into a situation, right? There are so many cultural lies. There's so many deceptions. Uh, that are 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 out there trying to trick us, and and we fall for them, and it and it presents this hopelessness, and um, man, when you truly bring the truth of Jesus Christ into it, and and what He has to offer, and the purpose that our lives have, I think that that is one of the greatest things that can be given to individuals who are struggling. <clears throat> yeah, and it's okay it's okay as a christian like it should be said that it's okay as a christian to be struggling with depression it's okay with yeah. christian to be struggling with thoughts of suicide and i should add the caveat that uh 52 of people who die by suicide according to some statistics most of this is diagnosed with a mental Ill, illness or disorder sorry so you broke no up there really, no you statistics. broke up there really quick what were you saying 52 percent of what 52% of people who die by suicide are not previously diagnosed okay. with a mental illness yeah. or disorder. So the majority of people who commit suicide are not, according to uh, how we would define people who are, who are mentally ill, they have no diagnoses. Yeah. So oftentimes I feel like, and this is probably why I think um, we shy away from this topic, is we think that people who commit themselves, oh, those are those crazies. Yeah. You know, those are those crazy people out there. And and I'm not one of those. Though what what was wrong with that person? Well, they believed a lie that they were better off dead than alive. Christians wrestle with it just like non-Christians. And we need to admit that. And then and then we can move forward. So now we know uh like the 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 why it's important to understand this. Yeah. 
And it's, I think, it, you know, and I haven't researched this obviously as much as you have. And so maybe you can correct me if my thought process on this is wrong. But, you know, what I often challenge students with is that students are in a very connected right generation. And I just talked to Kevin Yee about this um, a couple, uh, oh man, when I interviewed last week, <laughs> two interviews ago, but I think yeah. it was last week, where we talked about how to really come around students who are going through disappointment because of canceled events during coronavirus. But one thing that we talked about is this idea that, like, we live in, in a lonely generation, right? And and we there's been books written on this about how we are alone together, that we're together, but physically together, not, not anymore, but we used to be physically together, but we really are alone. And students are yeah. maybe under the impression that that they have more friends than they've ever had because everyone's following them on social media and they are more connected than they are have ever been. And they're more entertained than ever before because of their video games and constant movies and everything. But I think what they're not recognizing is like, if we really are more entertained, more connected, more relational, more all of these things, why is the younger generation here, the second leading cause of suicide, as you mentioned, from 10 to 34 year olds, is a uh, second leading cause of death is suicide. We're killing ourselves more and we are more lonely than ever before. Yeah. Why is it that th it seems like maybe it's we're an not, illusion, right? Yeah, we're not doing as well as we think we are when we truly look at what's happening with people and the issues and the struggles that people are going through. When we think that, no, everything's good, I'm entertained, I have my video games, I yeah. have these things. Is it, do you see kind of yeah, that connection it's a, I mean, there. it's an illusion on... Uh, absolutely. It's an illusion to, in two ways, right? It's the illusion that you actually are connected. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the human was, was created for relationships. I mean, we see that in the very earliest chapters of Genesis. Uh, you know, it wasn't good for man to be alone. Yeah. You know, so, so God made Eve, right? He gave him a partner and, and we need people around us. It's also an illusion in the in, in in what you see online. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not like you guys see this like this this five foot span of my house. If I brought this webcam out into my house, you guys would see the mess that is the noise household. I've got four little girls. I've got webkins everywhere. I've got bins stacked up like because we're in quarantine. Yeah, they haven't been my out of the house in two weeks. <laughs> Yeah, and but but my life's a mess. Yeah, and and but we don't show that stuff online. So when you have you know you you've got twenty five hundred friends, twenty five thousand friends, however many friends you have online, you're only seeing the part of their life that they want you to see. And sure, sometimes people post authentic stuff, but the majority of the time, it's the selfie with the perfect makeup, in the perfect swimsuit, with the perfect beach behind you, and nobody lives that life. Yeah. You know, nobody. So it's a, it's a, it's like, it's a, it's a, you get two, two different illusions there. Well, one is that you're connected and the other is, is that you have a perfect life. And then you put on top of this, the search for meaning and purpose. Uh, and it's nowhere to be found. It's lost because ultimately what we do is we believe the a lie of secularism in the end is my opinion. That's jumping topics. Yeah. But, um, I think that these things help us do that. They help us into materialism. Yeah. Um, because we're looking at the out appearance of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and I've also heard people talk about how the more time you spend on social media often leads to higher levels of depression, right? Because you are, oh, yeah. you are seeing what everyone else has and you're seeing the best of everyone else and thinking, and, you know, even though, you know, it's not true thinking, oh my goodness, look at what they have. I don't have anything that compares. And that leads to, to difficult yeah. <laughs> issues. So then when you're kind of addressing. And put that oh, on yeah. top and, and just real fast, just put that on top of, um, uh, hold on one second. Okay, put that on top of a of a already. I guess put it in the in the teenage realm who you deal with, right? You're a, you're a high school teacher. These kids are hypersensitive and critical. So yeah. already self conscious. Yeah. And 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 then, I mean, it's just a mess. I couldn't. Sorry, I you mean, were gonna say. Well, no, and I I say like, man, I can't imagine going through high school again now with the technology oh. and and the things that we have like oh my goodness i had it easy and i you know my high school for me was just over 10 years ago uh actually now oh 15 almost yeah 15 but you know <laughs> i'm not that old but it goes so fast i know it's it is so weird you know i i man, i felt like you know when you're in high school you're like at my 10 year reunion i'm gonna be so old and now i'm like Dude, I, I don't have things figured out no 
but you know, I, I look at what my students have to deal with and I'm like, my goodness, I think it's so much harder being a high school student today because not only did we have kind of that desire for approval and recognition and that kind of stuff when I was in high school, but now there's so many different areas in which you have to get it and ways in which you have to get it. And you have to constantly be doing things. And that's just so difficult. And yeah, so it is, it is. Yeah. And so I think it's just important in jumping into this of like, this is an issue that look, there should be no shame because of it. Like, with a biblical understanding, we recognize that we are fallen, sinful human beings that have thoughts and desires that are not good, that the devil is tempting us, yeah. that the devil is trying to attack us and destroy us. And so when someone uh, goes through this, you know, the comment came in of sometimes we want to put the blame somewhere. Oh, there's so there's a reason why they committed suicide. Let's blame the parents. Let's blame this. And so we try to cover it up. Let's not talk about it rather than recognizing, look, I'm broken. I'm sinful. I have issues. And I need people to help me with my issues. We have to talk about yeah. these things. And we can't hide in that. And I think that's just such so an good. important point. Now, you've also kind of mentioned, uh, not uh, in, 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 you mentioned in your talk, kind of a biblical characters. And maybe kind of talking about this of, you know, in, the, in Scripture, Scripture does not separate itself from dealing with issues, especially even issues of suicide. So are there any kind of that you want to mention of how, the Bible actually points to this and we can take hope in seeing <laughs> examples of what people have gone through. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oftentimes when I'm asked, like, are there any biblical examples of suicide? There's, there's uh, six in the old Testament, one in the new, everybody knows the new it's Judas. Uh, he, he committed suicide after he betrayed uh, his master, his friend, his rabbi, Jesus, right? He, he sold out. And, uh, and he, he experienced a great regret because of that. And that gr regret led to despair, which led to hopelessness. And he ended up hanging himself. Now, the actually, the tragedy of that story isn't even that he hung himself. It's just the fact that I think that if he went to Jesus and asked for his forgiveness, Jesus would have forgiven him on the spot. Yeah. And, um, and that like that just, oh, man, I can't even imagine that. But so you had Jesus. You've got uh, Saul's and. An example, right? Uh, even though he he ordered the, his own killing, it's still considered the suicide. And then his armor bearer who killed him. Uh, there's a couple others in there who uh, who killed themselves. But the amazing thing is that there's great examples of people in the Old and the New Testament, these saints of God, who got, got to that place of despair. They got to that place of hopelessness. They got to that place where I wish I would. They would think that they would think that thought. I wish I was dead or believe that lie that they'd be dead or better off dead than they were alive. Uh, Solomon is a great example of this. Um, you know, he, he's the one that vanity of vanities, all is vanity is how he starts Ecclesiastes. He's, uh, nothing has a purpose, you know, in, in, um, in Ecclesiastes 2.17, he says, I hated life for the work which had been done under the sun was grievous to me. Everything is futile and striving after the wind is what he's saying. He's saying there's no purpose and meaning in my life. There's no purpose and meaning in what, I, what I'm doing. And everything I go after, it's like chasing the wind. I can't catch it. Yeah. I, I just I, – he literally says I hated life. And then think about who he is. I mean this is, this is a king. And, uh, and he has all the money that he could possibly want. He has all the sex he could possibly want. He has all the power he could possibly want. He has everything – that uh, that the world around him and the world I just had that bigger house, I'd be happy. If I just had that, you know, that beautiful wife, I'd be happy. If I just had that, you know, Tesla, I'd be happy. But that's just, and, and here's an example, a perfect biblical example of this. And he hated life is what he said. Yeah. Um, Elijah, the same thing. Elijah, oh my gosh. Elijah is like one of my favorite biblical characters, right? Uh, a prophet of God. Uh, he's he's there he he's there, raining fire down from the sky, calling on God to rain fire down in the sky, as as a testimony to God's power against these false prophets, and uh, and he's crushing it. He's just doing such a great job, and and that's that. So that's the first Kings, and then you go to the next chapter, First Kings, like nineteen, I think it's nineteen. Um, it says that he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and then the scripture says this, and he Elijah requested for him he might die so you got elijah i mean you got jonah the same thing you know uh, wrestling against god yep. and then and then in the new testament because i don't want to belabor the point but in the new testament we have paul and i did i you know paul in 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 second corinthians right there in the first chapter second corinthians paul says for do we know for we do not want to be unaware brethren of our afflictions which came to us in asia 
that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even for life. These are the saints of God wrestling with this, but the testimony here isn't that they gave up like Saul that they didn't like his armor bearer like these other like like Judas they didn't believe that lie they pressed on through the pain through the trial through the tribulation and that's why you have Paul who says that you know uh, tri- tribulation produces what it produces endurance and endurance produces you know a uh, character proven character and proven character produces hope you know, these are but momentary light afflictions producing us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Yeah. So so they pressed on through these things because the Christian, we get weighted. Man, we created just like the non-Christian, right? And we have to struggle with this fallen and sinful world. I don't know about you, man, but my life doesn't didn't get easier when I became a Christian. <laughs> it, uh, certain aspects became better. You know, walking in reality is always better than not. But my life is hard, man, especially right now. Yeah. But but anyway, so these these are great biblical characters where I mean, when I started doing this reading and the research, I saw that. Wait a second. Oh, my gosh. Paul wrestled with this. Really? This is Paul. This is like the dude who wrote the majority of the New Testament. And he started like there were times when he was depressed. He was like, you know what? I despair even for my life as well. What do you testimony of all these guys lives is that they pressed on through the pain through the struggle and through the anguish yeah and i think you know that's that's you you mentioned there one of my favorite verses and you know what i always quote when i'm talking about what has got to allow evil pain and suffering and i think you know one of the the emotional responses to kind of that emotional problem of evil if, if you or someone you know has gone through suicide and struggling i think the hope that we have in jesus christ where then paul was even able to say these light and momentary afflictions are producing in us an eternal weight of glory right we look to the things that are not seen but to the things that are unseen those are eternal the things that are seen are transient right and when we truly recognize a biblical perspective of pain and suffering that the suffering that we go through in this life is temporary and now talking about this as a light and momentary affliction does not mean, oh, it's no big deal. Get over it. Yeah. You know, no, it's not that. But it's when you compare, you know, horrible, painful, deep anguish and suffering to an eternity in joy and happiness in the presence of God. Right. As you know, our professor Clay Jones says, you know, that will shrink your suffering down to insignificance. To where I think that's where Paul yeah. can truly say this is a light and momentary affliction because it's producing in us an eternal weight of glory of what we have to look forward to. And and I think this is kind of getting ahead to kind of the, the application of this, but I think it just flows so well is that in my response often to this topic of suicide is, one, um, you know, you mentioned a suicide send you to hell, and I have a video I've done on that that's actually one of the most viewed, most viewed videos I, I've done. And I my answer sure. is, my answer is no, I don't think suicide sends a person to hell. But even if it sends you to heaven, you shouldn't do it. One, from a Christian perspective, is that God has called you for to, to, to a purpose. God has given you a purpose. God has called you to, to make a difference here in this life. And God has a purpose and a plan for us. And we are called to live out the, the plan that God has created us for. But also, from a non-Christian perspective, we often hear people say, well, they're in a better place. And if Christianity is true... And the person is not a believer. They're not in a better place. They have traded yeah. temporary suffering for eternal suffering, for eternal torment, for eternal separation from God. Right? The answer to going through difficulties is not to end your life and end this temporary difficulty. It is to find hope in Jesus Christ so that we can actually have true eternal happiness. And that's what you know. I think you know is such a, a powerful hope that we have is that, look, the suffering I go through now is temporary. It will be over. I press on through it. I will have eternal hope in the presence of God. But for those who are not believers, the answer still is not suicide because you are not going to a better place. You're going to a much, 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 much worse place that is eternal and it will never stop. To truly get suffering to stop, the answer is Jesus. And that's honestly, Ryan, that's that's where like the true tragedy of this this topic for me uh, on a pastoral level comes in because uh, my my heart does weep for the people who commit suicide as a, as an escape i mean most people do i mean that's why that's the, one of the major reasons why people uh commit suicide and the only way that we know why people commit suicide is that they leave a note or something like this and notes are largely unreliable um but you know they, they're always trying to escape something yeah 
And it breaks my heart for the unbeliever who's trying to escape something because they do. They truly believe that they're going to be escaping something for a better thing. And no matter how hard your life is now, uh, that it's just not it's just no better for, for you if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ uh, once you die. And, and that like I really do, man, that keeps me awake at night um, and praying for these people who are lost and who are struggling with this and the, their identity. Right. Because what we try to do is when I was an atheist, I, I placed my identity in, in the things around me. You know, and, and I, I had to my, my version of pressing on was pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Yeah. If I failed, I pull myself up by my own bootstraps and then I go at it again. Well, what happens when you fail again? Because we all fail again. Well, you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and it's a cycle. And the, it's exhausting, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, it's exhausting. I think that I think that if, if even if somebody's watching right now and they're not a believer, it's exhausting. And, um, and, and until we get, we have to look to something outside of ourselves for that transcendent meaning, that transcendent purpose, relationships, relationships with other people, uh, and most importantly, relationships with, with God. That's the only unchanging thing that, that you'll ever come across. Every other relationship is going to be broken by sin or death, ultimately. And so if you don't have a relationship that's sustaining you, that's based on the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, that everything else, he says, is just shifting sand. Yeah. You know? And so anyways, that's a great point. So when it comes to then responding to this, um, you know, what are what are the things that you have found? And you've kind of talked about losing hope and these sort of things. But what are the things that you found that that would cause someone to contemplate and consider suicide? And then how would you then respond maybe first to the non-Christian? Uh, you know, maybe it's Christians watching. Who knows who's watching? But, you know, either you're not a Christian watching or you have friends that maybe are not Christians. And, hey, if you try to bring Jesus, maybe that's not, you know, they're just going to reject it. I, I don't know. So how would you respond to the non-Christian? Yeah. So, so okay. Ultimately, I, I started that base, you know, that where the people look to, you know, um, if you're a materialist or a naturalist, uh, right now uh, interchangeably I know that there's subtle differences um, and that's not important I don't think right now but you, all you got to do is listen to the words of famous atheists and and naturalists materialists to to figure out why people might find themselves in moments of despair um, William Provine uh, out of Cornell he's now dead he said uh, no gods no life after death no ultimate foundation of ethics no ultimate meaning in life no human free will are deeply connected to an evolutionary perspective no life after death no ultimate foundation for ethics ultimately no meaning and he says at least he's honest and then of course dawkins right so so we turn to dawkins because he's it's just he's he's prevalent out there everybody knows who richard dawkins is and he says in a universe of electrons and selfish genes blind physical forces and genetic replication some people are going to get hurt other people are going to get lucky and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it nor any justice the universe that we observe is precisely the properties we should expect if there's a bottom no design no purpose no evil no good nothing but pitiless indifference so when you when you put on this and, and, and when you put on this world view and you actually try to live it out. Yeah, it gets to some very dark places quickly. And I know this from experience. I uh, I tried really, really hard to live consistently within my atheism, within my naturalism. And I had these what, what Greg Greg Kokel he says they're bumps in the reality. And I experienced these things where reality is the way things really are. The world is set up in a certain way. And when you live contrary to that way, you bump into it. And some of them hurt, especially in the realm of morality, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the realm of meaning, because I was trying to find ultimate meaning and I'm looking to my job uh, for that. You know, I was I was successful by the world standards. I was working at a law firm as a paralegal, one of the best law firms in the in, in the world. Some some majorly famous cases. I mean, I had arrived in my profession and what I wanted to do at that time. I was making good money. I had an awesome girlfriend. You know, I had. That you know, I was left empty, just like every like in, in just like all the celebrities that we see, you know, we see them all the time. You know, these people. I, Deion Sanders is famous for quoting that when he won his first Super Bowl. Actually, I, I say that, and most people who are young don't even know who he is anymore. Uh, Deion Sanders was an incredible football player and baseball player. He played two sports. He won a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. And he ordered his dream car. And 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 then it's it's it's. And then he says that that at that moment he had everything he wanted, 
and he had never felt more empty because these promises of, of materialism are, 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 are just that they're empty. Ultimately, materialism leads to a I, I, I would argue a material a naturalism, a materialistic view of the world. It's like more, more, more for me, more education, more power, more sex, more money. Yeah. But they're empty endeavors. Yeah. There's no ultimate purpose in them. So you look non-Christian the, 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 for the for the non-believer, for the atheist. Uh, there's no hope. Yeah. There's no transcendent hope. And I would say that it leads to nihilism. And it leads to it leads to you might as well just kill yourself. Let me I don't usually share this in my talk, but I had a friend I was with him in high school and then I was out of high school as a young professional in Washington, DC. And I got wind. Somebody one of my friends called me and I remember I'm evening a friend had committed suicide. And I was an atheist then, and I remember the only emotion I had was anger. Not sympathy, compassion, love, nothing like this. It was anger, and I would, I, I said, oh, what a, what a selfish guy. That was my response, you know, and, and but that, would, that response, anger and blame were the only response I had available to me. And ultimately, as I was processing this stuff, I came to the conclusion, and I'm just being honest, as an atheist, I came to the conclusion, eh, so he just left the world a little bit earlier than everybody else. That's it. No problem. Let's move on. And uh, and I was only being consistent. You know. Yeah. No way. Good question. It was a really long answer. <laughs> no, you're good. No, and you mentioned Deion Sanders there, and I think you know it's interesting you bring him up. Uh, he man, I idolized him as a young as a young kid. Man, I wanted to play football <laughs> like Dion. I mean, I would have the gloves, and I'd have the you know, because he always had yeah. the, the Velcro was not Velcro and it was hanging off. And I mean, I did everything like Dion. And I remember uh, as a young kid, and I don't remember uh, what time this was, but I, I think it was around 97, 1997 that the event happened. So I was about nine or so. But uh, he wrote a book and the book title was um, Power, Money and Sex. And then it was like, um, I, I just looked it up as you were talking about it. Um, How Success Almost Ruined My Life. And, oh really? Yeah, I didn't know he had that. So, That's funny. Yeah, so I read the book and I remember reading it and being shocked because I, you mentioned he went out and bought his dream car, still did not feel fulfilled. He drove his dream car off a cliff and tried to kill himself. Oh, did he? And he attempted yeah. suicide in 1997, and it, then he ends up saying that it was that attempted suicide that ended up leading him to to the Lord. Um, and really where he hit that rock bottom. And so I think yeah. it's interesting where you look at people again that have and and Man, again, another one of the lies of the devil. You know, one, as you know, Claudia pointed out in the comments of, you know, one of the biggest lies is the belief that we'll be in a better place. Uh, but I think one of the other lies of the devil is that when you finally get the dream job, the dream car, when you finally make that million dollars, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be happy. You are going to be content and life is going to be good. And yet we yeah. look around us and there's yeah. example after example after example of people getting the dream life, people making the millions of dollars and end up putting their life in a deeper hole than where they were before. And we need to learn from that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we have a we have a, a litany of celebrities, you know, David Carradine, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade committed suicide a couple of years ago. Kurt Cobain, he shot himself. Junior Seau for a multiple of reasons, but he still killed himself. Dave Muir, Avicii, Heath Ledger, Chris Cornell, and, uh, a, a guy I used to love. And really recently, this uh, Olympic gold medalist, Kelly Catlin, uh, killed herself, you know, because they, they reach their goals and they realize that there's nothing there yeah. and the emptiness. And and I want to be clear here. I'm not saying that the, the naturalist, the materialist, the atheist um, doesn't have meaning in their life. I'm not saying that they, that they don't think that their life is meaningful. Uh, they most certainly do. I most certainly thought my life was meaningful. What I'm saying is that their worldview can't, uh, shoulder that burden. They can't, they, they can't, um, they cannot bear the weight of an objective, a transcendent meaning or purpose in their life. Not saying that they don't have it. We all have objective meaning yeah. in our life. We all do the glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yeah. Um, and, and I should also clarify that uh, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't struggle with this stuff too, Absolutely. which we kind of said a little earlier. Yeah. Um, it, this is a Christian, this is, this is a secular and, and Christian problem. Um, it just is. Yeah. So, 
So it's you, just where you look for your solution. Yeah. So here's a question I'll throw your way that came in on the live chat from my dad, actually. I'll put it up here so you can see it. So if you mentioned before, many people who commit suicide um, aren't, dep- aren't you know, di- diagno- uh, diagnosed with depression or, or, or some sort of uh, mental issue. Uh, how then do we recognize the tendencies uh, of someone who maybe is, is going through something and how, how we can come alongside them and love them well? I absolutely love, love, love that question. Um, I should say it. Uh, I'm going to say this phone number really clearly just because it has to be said at some time during this talk. It's the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. And that's posted in so the description says, below as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So it's 1-800-273-8255. If you're wrestling with suicidal thoughts, you need to call that number, uh, plain and simple. Now, as far as the as the question goes, there's certain tendencies and behaviors that you can look at these at, at your friends, family members, acquaintances. Uh, for example, if you're a student and you and you're a good student, you start missing a lot of school. You start your grades start failing. You start you start becoming sexually promiscuous, um, persistently bored. Hmm. If you're just bored, somebody's just bored all the time. Now, I'm not saying each one of these is like, oh my, I have my oldest daughter. She's your typical uh, oldest child. She's always bored. I'm never worried about her harming herself, you know, but uh, missing a lot of school, lack of interest in in regularly interested activities. Right? If they were an athlete and all of a sudden they're not playing sports anymore, um, experiencing what they're expressing and now it's what they're expressing as hopelessness, worthlessness, um, helplessness. Um, if they become aggressive or if there's serious rebellious behavior. Um, oh, if, if, if preoccupation with death or suicide i mean it's clearly the the number one indicator is if somebody says hey i'm thinking about killing myself yeah that means they're thinking about killing themselves and to take this stuff seriously and um it seems like every a lot single of time yeah and it seems like maybe a lot of times our first response when someone says that you go oh no you aren't you know and we just play it off yeah. no you're not actually gonna do that and it's like almost like it's a joke rather than being like hold on, like, are you serious? And even if you're not, why did you say that? And like actually digging a little bit deeper than maybe just playing it yeah. off. Cause that's the easy thing to do. Oh no, you're not. That was, you're just joking. Yeah. And it's also, yeah. I mean, if you have friends in your life who are, who are writing, writing you a letter that's saying goodbye, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something just like put in your memory drawer and, and, and save, you should be asking, asking questions of that person. You know, if they, if the people are giving stuff away, yeah. If, if they have treasured items, watches, jewelry, or books or something like that, and they, and they all of a sudden start giving stuff away, mm-hmm. that means something's up. And the next fa- the next step in this question is okay, now I've recognized that I, I think for whatever reason my brother is going to commit suicide. What do you do? It's really simple. It's just really, really hard. You have to ask them, have you thought about suicide? Have suicidal thoughts come into your mind? Are you thinking about harming yourself? And there's been this stigma. This, this it's a myth that that if you mention suicide, somehow you're gonna make that person think of suicide for the first time. It's just not true. Uh, a, a good friend, family, and, and this is a topic that you're worried about. You would. Uh, you would bring this up and you'll be direct with it and you'll just ask that hard question. Have you ever thought about suicide as an answer? And then from there, I guarantee your relationship might suffer for the moment, but it'll, it could save their life yeah. and your relationship will get repaired. I promise you um, because I've done it and I've seen the results of it. I've seen people turn from this because all they need is that they need to know somebody cares. You got to be the, wait. I can be honest with this person. I'm going to open up and, and then next thing you know, you can get that person help that they need. Yeah. So that's a really good question. Yeah. And I mean, I bring this up and I think it applies to so many different issues, but I, you know, I, I often focus on, you know, if your friend is eating unhealthy food, we're often very quick to call out a friend of that's unhealthy. That's not good for you. Why are you eating that? That's going to make you fat or whatever it may be. Um, you know, it, but we are much, <laughs> we're much more likely to check the, the health uh, the health department rating of a restaurant. We're much more likely to check the Yelp reviews for a restaurant are uh, much more likely to, to confront a friend uh, eating unhealthy and doing those sort of things. But when they're doing something that actually is damaging to their spiritual life, to, to their soul. Um, and then now to actually the thoughts of killing themselves, 
we dismiss it. And we're like, well, but if I say something, it might upset them. But yet we're very quick to say something when it's just them, you know, eating some chips yeah. that they're not supposed to eat. And it's like, man, how much more should we care about the soul of the person rather than just the physical appearance, which we know is temporary, which we know is not as valuable. Now, Claudia yeah. then kind of, oh, sorry, go for it. Oh, I just wanted to add the caveat to guys, prayer works. Um, be praying for these people that if you, if you, if this is a very real practical talk, something that's going on in your life right now, lift these people up in prayer, yeah. preach to them. The God, I don't say preach, like don't bang them over the head with your Bible. You know, it's not like, Oh, believe, believe, believe it's like preach them the gospel. Let them know who they are. You know, regardless of whether or not they believe in Jesus, people are made in the image of God. They are. They, they've been knit together in their mother's womb. They're of infinite value and worth because of that. And then that's where we can begin ministering to like what you said, Ryan, I really love you minister to their soul, to their heart. Um, even if they don't believe you, if you have friends who are struggling with depression or they've expressed suicidal thoughts, say, hey, would you mind if I pray with you right now? And would you mind if I pray with you, pray, pray for you every single day? And just see what happens, because I guarantee you God works. I mean, yeah. he does. And um, so prayer prayer works, too. Yeah. And then there's a spiritual component to this, guys. Yeah. So Claudia kind of brought, writes in on that and says this, you know, what about, you know, you're, someone who's contemplating suicide, but they're shutting you out. And so they're not giving you the opportunity to speak into their life. What do you do then? Yeah, this happens all the time with students. Great question, Claudia. It's so good to hear from you. Claudia is amazing. <laughs> yeah, she is. You should have Claudia on this show. I know. <laughs> She's incredible. Um, you know, I deal with this with students a lot because uh, mainly because I'm giving this talk in front of high school young adults and they'll still ask this. Uh, and, and it sounds like a bad answer, but you go to somebody who cares about them that does have their ear and you say, hey, and, and, and it's not gossip. It's not uh, it's not slander. It's not sinful. It's it's caring for this person. And uh, in saying, going to their mom, their dad, their husband, their wife, their kids, and uh, and just saying, you know, have you have you had this conversation with Joe, and has he expressed himself this way because he has with me, and I'm concerned. Yeah. And see how it's done out of a general, con a genuine concern. Um, but yeah, so you you got you find a way in there, and if they completely completely shut shut you out, they completely shut you out. But at least they've done they've shut you out. As opposed to you pretending everything's just fine and dandy. Yeah. And I think, it's too big of an issue not to do something. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the point, even, you know, with evangelism or trying to talk to someone who's maybe a closed minded, you know, and doesn't want to hear the gospel. It's, hey, if if they're pushing us out and you know, we continue to pray for them, we continue to build that relationship. And, you know, so that hopefully we're there when they do want to talk. Um, yeah. But if it's us saying, well, I don't want to talk to you or us saying it's not important or us dismissing it, I think that's where the issue is is, yeah. you know, it's, you know, kind of a different issue, but, you know, Jay Warner Wallace often says, you know, if students go off into college and, and stop believing in God because they don't think it's true or they haven't learned the thing, he goes, that's on me. But if yeah. they go off and they want to reject God and rebel against him because of their own sin, you know, and they, and it's not having to do with, you know, that's on them. And, yeah. and that we can't always stop uh, because people have their own desires and their own natures, but hopefully we continue to be the people that love them and come alongside them. Um, yeah. So we've kind of mentioned this a few times and kind of getting into it. You know, we talk about the, the non-Christian response, right? Of the worldview matters here, right? And that the Christian worldview, worldview provides matter, yeah. an, an objective purpose and hope uh, of what we are created for that is transcends our personal abilities, our personal goals, our personal things that often are, that are, are good, right? We should have goals and things that we desire to accomplish in this life, but it's not like when you accomplished it, your goal is over. That when you hit <laughs> retirement, hope is over. When you failed at class, hope, hope is over. Um, I mean, and I, like you mentioned, I can't imagine living that life. And I mean, that's even happening right now with the coronavirus of like seeing like, how do you get through this time without a trust in the sovereignty and goodness of God? Yeah. And I think a lot of people hear that and go, how crazy are you, Christian, that you think God is good and sovereign in this time? But it's like, man, when you see how easy businesses and countries can just crumble and yeah. how we think I have it all together, but I can be knocked down to the ground like that from a small virus, um, I'm not in control. And if we are not trusting in a sovereign God who ultimately has things in control, man, I, that, that is that very hopeless place that hopefully we try yeah. to draw people to. But as you mentioned, Christians are not separated from this. And there are even 
pastors, two pastors here in the Southern California area have recently yeah. committed suicide. Um, do you kind of want to talk about this a little bit as far as a Christian response? Yeah, I, man, it's, uh, it, it's, it's funny cause it's the same response. It's the same solution for both, for, for everybody, right? It's, it's placing our, our meaning, our purpose, our, um, our, our, our lives ultimately, uh, in something other than ourselves, something higher than ourselves, um, and, and understanding who we are in front of God, you know, the way that, <clears throat> like I, and, and I, and like I said, it's the same response for, for each people, uh, for believer and non-believer alike, we need each other. Yeah. Uh, it's the same response for the going through this thing, what we're doing right now, going through Corona. It's really interesting. The, 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 the social commentary that I'm, that I'm seeing, I've talked to people and, and it's, it, they're going out and like trying to go to the grocery store or whatnot. And their view to be very outgoing and loved people are now saying people are gross. I don't want to go near them. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, really? Like, this is so interesting how we've, how we've changed our perception. Um, and, and the only thing that's going to get us through coronavirus, the only thing that's going to get us through a fallen and broken world are each other in relationships. And ultimately that relationship with God, like I said before, but it's like relying on one another, you know, we've got to, we've, um, you know, Paul, Paul in Second Corinthians, he says, I'd rather boast my weakness so that, power, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm content with my weaknesses, is what Paul says. Uh, he's content with insults. He's content with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, he says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, and, and I think that we have to tell each other about our, our weaknesses, our struggles. We have to be vulnerable in that. And, and I know it's really hard to do, but, but that's where the promise that that's where the promise, uh, of God, my grace is sufficient for you is what he says for the power is perfected in weakness is, is the promise. That's where that comes alive. You know, I've noticed this in my own life as I become more mature, um, both in years, <laughs> uh, of Christ, I find that when I, when I'm, when I'm weak, when I, when I put myself in a position of weakness and humility, that's when people actually view me as strong hmm. and it's it, it it's it's such an odd and an interesting thing but for the christian community uh how do we deal with suicide we got to affirm each other who we are in christ we got to ask the hard questions you know i've noticed it's the same thing for the non-christian i've noticed that that you've been giving a lot of stuff away like i thought that you loved that book you know there's something going on have are you are you thinking about hurting yourself uh, has suicide ever come across your mind? That's how we move towards each other, you know. And um, and then also one of the things that I see within the Christian community, and this is a whole another topic of conversation, but it's just it's it, it's rampant legalism. Yeah. You know this idea that that we have to live uh, by a by a set of standards that we we have to uh, we have to you know climb that ladder to God. We have to do X, Y, and Z to please God. And that's exhausting too. That's just like the materialist. That's just like the atheist, the naturalist, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Only this time, our ladder, like eventually our heel gets into our boots at least. And, and on, on Christianity, legal, legalism, uh, the, the, the ladder is infinitely tall because God is infinitely good and, and just and holy and righteous. So we try to climb the ladder to him by living by a set of standards and rules. We overlay uh, these do's and don'ts on top of the gospel and in the process we end up weighting ourselves or each other down and uh, we need to break we, we need to we need to come to the understanding that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord nothing there's nothing that can separate you from that love and uh and i'm not saying that's a license to sin that's where this conversation goes right paul addressed that you know should we a sin so that god's grace may abound even more and paul says may it never be may it never be that's we don't pursue licentiousness we don't pursue sin we pursue holiness and righteousness in god um but but with the understanding that there's nothing that we can do to separate from god's love even in the dark times god loves us yeah and uh and i'm i'm called by god ryan you are you are an image bearer man like god loved you so much that he sent jesus christ to die on a cross for you for you and that's true of every believer yeah 
And when we start talking to each other like this, for the Christian, I'm addressing the Christian right now. When we start talking to each other like, like this, this is what this is what it means to build each other up in Christ. You know, I have awful issues. You know, I, I'm told to love my wife as Christ loved the church, even as he gave himself up. Dude, I failed it, so hard. Well, that. no, that's easy, right? That's like one of the easiest <laughs> things that we have as husbands. <laughs> Every night I go to bed and I'm like, oh, man, another day failed. Like another day failed. But it's undergirded by this rich love of God that I know uh, who I am in him and that, that his love for me is consistent. His, his love, God's love for his children doesn't wax and wane. It's, it, 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 there's no curvature in it. It's consistent and it always will be. And when he looks at me, he doesn't see me, me you know, being mean to my wife or yelling at my kids or, or thoughts in my head. He sees Christ's righteousness wrapped around me and I can be confident in that. And, and then when I, when I get this perspective on, I can face, I feel like I can face any challenge. And then you add to that the Christian community wrapping around you. If you're part of a local church, hopefully your church wraps around you in your times of struggle. But it takes an openness on your part as well. So now you got me excited to preach, dude. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, right with uh, about five <laughs> minutes left. But hey, good thing uh, it's not a strict time constraint except for uh, on the radio. But that's okay. Um, you know, but one thing that reminds me of, or a couple things that came to mind as you discuss that is one thing is when we're talking with Mormons, uh, you know, in Mormonism, they have, you know, this impossible gospel. I love Mormons. I know that, that you know, and, and, you know, some of the training I do and, and going to Utah and having conversations with Mormons, and it's this impossible gospel where, you know, Christ's grace is sufficient after all that you can do, right? I think that's in Second Nephi or First Nephi that it says that. And then it's like, well, how much could you have done? Well, you could have always done more and done better. And so this is impossible aspect to the gospel within Mormonism. And when you help them see the true gospel, there's often this like weight that's lifted off of what you talked about of this legalism. The other beautiful thing, though, and, and you mentioned this is, you know, Paul, Paul anticipated that if you preach the true gospel, the response will be then, well, then I can go on sinning. And he immediately then responds saying, I know this objection is going to be the one no! that's going to come up. And so I'm just going to deal with this objection immediately because this, if you preach the true gospel, this is what's going to happen. And so it's interesting. And, and what, you know, we've even been talked about is uh, as we talk about with, um, with Mormons is that when they say, well, what about this? You can go on sinning. It's like the fact that you raise that objection, I think shows that we are preaching the true gospel. If the gospel yeah. you preach does not come with the response, well, then can't I just keep sinning? Because that's just how amazing it is. And it's the grace that it, that it, that it's based on and not the, the fact that you are working for what you've done. It's what you have achieved, but what it's Christ has done. That's how you know the true gospel is being preached. That's often the question that comes up. Um, yeah. No, what's funny, Ryan, is actually that's the, that's the question I get most on, on these talks, actually, is after I'm, after I'm done speaking, there'll be a line of people wanting to talk. And most of the time, the debate, the discussion is, is had around that because people will say, no, 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 you have to live a good life. No, 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 you have to do this. And it centers that that's think that's the thinking that leads to if you commit suicide, you automatically go to hell. Yeah. And I think that's so, the beauty. Anyways. Yeah. And that's the beauty, too, of First John 5, where it says, you know, that we can know that we have say that we are saved uh, and by putting our faith. You know, there's such a confidence that is beautiful in Christianity, what Jesus has done, not what we have done ourselves. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. I'm yeah. awful by myself, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's something else you said there at the end, and I knew I wanted to touch on it. And of course, I'm blanking out um, on what exactly it was. But I mean, I just know that this is such an encouragement. I hope it is. It is to me. And I know that this is such important truth that needs to be spoken. And the way that we need to come along side and love people and help them see um, what's going on and help them see the purpose that Christ has called them to. Um, Amen. It is just so important. And then ultimately the glory that awaits us in heaven. Um, it doesn't make our issues, our problems, our suffering dissolve, but my goodness. And, and, you know, and you know this too, and we learned this from Clay Jones and his book on why God allows evil. It puts things in a completely different perspective. Yeah. When you have an eternal perspective, when you start to view things in the way that God views them, it dramatically changes uh, what we see um, us going through. And it's just so valuable to do. Well, yeah. as we kind of wrap up, are there any and, kind and of that, last thoughts? And that helps yeah. us move towards each other. Yeah, I was just going to say oh. that that's what sometimes we need to 
sometimes we need to remember that for our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah. and, and help them understand that. There's a, there's a wonderful story. John Newton um, was a friend of William Cowper. And John Newton, everybody knows, he wrote Amazing Grace. William Cowper was his best friend, and he was a hymnist. And he wrote, just real quick, these words, just two minutes. Yeah. Encompassed with a thousand dangers, weary, faint, trembling with a thousand terrors, I in a fleshly tomb and buried above ground. This guy struggled with depression and, and um, suicidal thoughts. He went on to write, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath their flood, lose all their guilt and stains. He wrote, uh, there is a fountain filled with blood because he had a relationship, not only with God, but when that relationship was a struggle for him, he had a relationship with John Newton. And John Newton could remind him of who he was in Christ. Yeah. So uh, be there for each other, yeah. friends. Just you got to be there. And that just reminded me of the thought that I had is is that the last chapter I just covered with my high school students before now we're on spring break is is the purpose and the role of the church. And that the church is that place that we have deep community where we are reconciled with one another or reconciled in a relationship with God. We're reconciled in one another where we can truly come around each other, independent of race and, and, and uh, age and gender and all that kind of stuff and truly come together, worshiping God together, being content with one another. Right. And our textbook talks about how, you know, that studies have been done that, that content people can raise your contentedness up 2%, but discontent people actually bring you down 4%, right? So this idea that that upset, mad, discontent people have more of a effect on you than happy people do at bringing you back up. And how the church really is that place that we are not only reconciled to one another, we're in right relationship. We come together in that community in an act of worship and relationship to God that truly brings the joy of the Lord, where we are praising God for who he is and content with where we are at, that then we can build those deep relationships, that accountability to come alongside one another, love each other well, and then in that, serving God together, right? And the church being a place of service where we can truly live out what God has called us to do, called us how to live uh, with the purpose and, and using our unique talents, gifts, and abilities to love each other and to love the community in which we are placed. And that's the purpose of the church. And that's the way in which the church and community and relationships and all of us can come along and truly, I think, help us all live in the way that God has called us to live. The problem is we addressed at the beginning is that we are often more alone and lonely and disconnected than we think we are. We, we live in this illusionness of connectedness and, and relationships. It's not actually there. And so when we go through these difficult issues, we don't have those people that actually know deep issues about us. Right? We have not built that trust where I have exposed That's the right. deep secrets of myself to people around me. So they actually know what I'm going through. And we make people believe that everything is good on the surface and they don't know and they can't come alongside of us. And that takes a vulnerability yeah. that is so valuable. And that's a vulnerability that happens in the context of relationships and deep community, which is what the church is supposed to be. That's right. Jesus said, Jesus said that they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I want to stress this guys, like for the audience, people watching for you, Ryan, for everybody, um, it's never too late to start building that vulnerability. Yeah. You know, you can start today by reaching out to somebody. So if you're watching and you're struggling with this stuff, would you please just reach out to somebody? Yeah. Would you just please call your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friends, your best friend? Call that person that you've been wanting to call and you haven't had the time. Because now you got time. I know you do. You're sitting on your living room floor, like like figuring out what to do because we're in, in mandatory quarantine or whatever it is. And, and so like just do it because it's never too late. And, and life is so valuable and too important not to. Yeah. And, uh, and there's people who love you. There are, no matter who you are, somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much, man. I sure I appreciate your thank wisdom you. and the compassion that you have, your love for people and coming and discussing this uh, difficult, but absolutely critical topic. Thank you, man. Yeah. And you guys have a great day. Yeah. You guys can check it out here. So I actually have one more question for you before you go, but you know, he's a, you know, a speaker, outreach coordinator, stand a reason you check that out at str.org as I have up there. And then also pastor at Soli church, which you just planted about a year or so ago, right? Nine months, Nine yeah. Nine months, all right. With, with three other pastors. All right. So yeah. looking forward Fun then stuff. to next week. Next week, I'm interviewing your colleague, your friend, Tim Barnett, on the topic <laughs> oh, man. of Jehovah's Witnesses. So maybe a quick little... Oh, fantastic. Should people watch Tim? Does he have anything good to say? Tim's amazing, actually. <laughs> like, yeah. 
I mean, that's a man. Well, he gets to follow me, so he'll look even better. But he's like Tim is. Uh, Tim is one of the most uh, down to earth, nicest guys. He's such a good husband, such a good dad. He, he's also a pastor, and uh, and I mean, as far as pre- presenting and his knowledge on Jehovah's Witnesses, I think he's. You might be able to get it out of him. I think he might start writing a book on it. Wow. So you got him on the right topic. Yeah, absolutely. So it's yeah, you got to tune in to Tim. Tim's amazing. Yeah, and even Claudia commented in here and the things. I'll throw it up here really quick. Um, let's see. She said, uh, watch Tim and Stacey Barnett's, that's uh, his wife, their weekly podcast on marriage during quarantine. I know I saw, I've been seeing that they started posting things on marriage. In fact, they're even now posting, uh, they posted their first date idea. So, hey, here's some, here's some date ideas to, again, to stay married. Date well. idea. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, order takeout and then have a nice little date nice. at the home. Um, yeah, so let me, awesome. uh, as we sign off, let me pull this up here really quick. Uh, is asking, same time and date. Uh, it is a different, let's see. I thought it was next week. It is not my calendar. That's weird. It's on the website. Uh-oh. It's on the website. It's up. It'll be posted. I believe uh, it was Thursday uh, next week. Um, I don't remember exactly the time, but uh, sh- stuff in my schedule. So just so everybody knows, stuff in my schedule is shifting around uh, with my school schedule changing a lot with schools not being in session. And so um, sometimes earlier in the day is better for some of these interviews. And now that I don't teach until 3.30, uh, it works out. So I will definitely be posting the time and date. So um, with that, uh, let me put this up. There's Coffeehouse Questions, the website that you can go get more information as well as um, subscribing. That is going to be an awesome place that you go. Uh, subscribe here and um, then also follow on social media. And so there'll be a um, uh, the thumbnail posted, and the video posted uh, soon with the date for that interview, as well as there'll be uh, things on Facebook and on Instagram kind of promoting it. And, uh, and so you can see the time and date there for sure. So sorry, I don't have that for some reason. It's not in my calendar. But um, it'll be there soon. So as John said, Tim's a smart guy. You're going to want to hear what he has to say. Even though Jehovah's Witnesses are not coming to our doors right now, um, this is a time where we can prepare ourselves and be ready for when they do start to show up again. So uh, with that, I'm going to sign off, everybody. Again, I pray that this has uh, been an impactful thing, filling us with hope in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ and what that has for us and the purpose that God has called us to, and that we can use this to help bless those around us uh, who are struggling. With so with that... I'm going to sign off. Have a wonderful rest of your week, a great weekend, and I'll see you guys next week uh, with the next week live stream, as well as a few other questions of the day that you posted. See you guys later. won't hesitate to follow. Your love will guide my